0: Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, the Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage.
1: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard.
2: Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you... For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. Because of what you have done... The heavens have become a part of man's
3: world. Oh, to be lifted to the heavens again, what I would give to be lifted to the heavens again instead of walking amongst the trash of today. Welcome to the Savage Nation. I'm going to open the show as I did already. If you missed the opening to my classroom here, you know, the rest of the show really doesn't make any sense. Now, what I played for you just now was so moving to me that I had to play it for you. And I have to thank Robert Borowski, the producer, along with Jim for putting together the three essential pieces of the moon landing of that time. One was John F. Kennedy's inspiring speech, and I'm going to tell you what it did for me as a young man, and I'll ask you what it did for you as a young woman or man. Then Neil Armstrong, who was one of the greatest men in world history, the nerves of steel in the mind of a, of a genius, what he went through. And then, of course, Nixon, who was a great president— Never mind what the liberals would tell you about him. He was a great president. He was an intellectual. He was extremely wise. And the speech he gave after the successful moon landing, it wasn't about Nixon, was it? Did he get up there and say how great he he was? No, he talked about what that meant for humanity. And I got to tell you something. On Saturday night, I watched CNN for an hour and a half. I never watched CNN because I don't like their insanity. But they did something that was really great, which is that they ran the entire moon launch from the beginning all the way to the moon. I was stunned. I darkened the room and sat in the room and I was weeping for an hour as I watched the Apollo 11 tape. So great a time in America. Nixon, a real leader, not about himself, about the mission and the astronauts. And how inspired I was at that time to reach beyond myself because of Kennedy and Neil Armstrong the astronauts and the times themselves. I was so moved watching it, and I thought about how far we have fallen as a nation. When we have out-of-control Jihad Squad, when we have a rapper in Sweden who got into a street fight, and now that's become an issue for a president, I, it's unbelievable to me. And so I had to go back to, to what moved me in my life. And I got to tell you, were you as inspired As I was by the moon landing. I know this is going back in time to many of the older people listening to the show. But you know, the world I come from, I used to think that we looked up to the older people, not to the children. There was a time in America when people looked to older people for wisdom, not to cast them into the gutter. Were you as inspired as I was by the moon landing? Now, I was inspired because of JFK's speeches. That one also ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I was inspired by that to go out and do something for my country. It just shows you the power of words. It just shows you what leadership is. It just shows you how powerful the presidency is and how it influences people. Were you as inspired as I was by the uh, moon landing? Now, I was inspired to leave New York because of that time. I realized that I could do anything that I was capable of. I mean, I wasn't capable of being on the New York Yankees. I wasn't capable of that, but I was capable of doing things that were quite remarkable. Looking back, I didn't know that, that I even had it in me, but I was inspired by Neil Armstrong. I was inspired by Kennedy, and so I left New York, and I set out on my road of life. In my way, that was my moonshot. Do you understand what I'm saying? I went to my moon right here on the, on the radio No one in my history, the history of my family, was ever in the media. No one in the history of my family was on the radio. No one in my family ever had the opportunity to write a book. No one in my family ever had the opportunity to have numerous best-selling books. I am the astronaut in that regard. But I got to tell you something. I dedicated my book, A Savage Life, to my grandfather, who I never met, because he died before I was born. Well, it wasn't dedicated to him. He's in there. There's a picture of him. Never met him. I think it's still in this edition. It's a beautiful picture. There it is. It shows him at his tailor shop in Manhattan, 548 East 13th Street. There he is in his beautiful suit, and it says, the man who started it all, my grandfather Sam, in front of his own tailor shop, and we called him the astronaut of the family. You know why we called him the astronaut of the family? Because he left a small village in Russia with not much money in his pocket, and he came to a land of opportunity called America. And he worked his heart out till he died at age 48. But he was the astronaut who landed on the moon of America so that I could be here. I'm man-child in the promised land. And that leads me right to the issues of the day, which is immigration. How did he differ from the Guatemalan, five foot tall, working five jobs to support himself? That's a question that we have to ask for which there is no simple answer. And if you think I'm insensitive to the similarity between the immigrants of today, and my own story, you are mistaken. I'm more sensitive to it than you may imagine. But I'll repeat what I have said before so there is no misunderstanding. There was no welfare state when my grandfather came here. It was work or die. Either your family took care of you, you took care of you, or you fell by the wayside. Nobody took care of you. There was no ACLU suing on your behalf. Thank God. <clears throat> so things were very different. But there are many people today in America coming in who are the astronauts of their own family, whether they be from Guatemala or Russia or wherever they're from. They are the astronauts of the family that they left behind trying to make a life for themselves in this new land. And I see them every day of my life working their, their backs off. Don't assume every immigrant is a bum. Don't assume every immigrant is a member of ISIS, even if you think so. That's 100% wrong. They fled ISIS, many of the Muslims. They hate ISIS more than you do. They probably lost people to ISIS the way Jews lost people to Hitler. But you don't know that because everything has become four legs good, two legs bad, us versus them. But it's not just us versus them. But let me not get lost in the discussion, which I never do. I want to go back to the original uh, uh, origins of this show, which is my inspiration from John F. Kennedy's great words, my watching the lunar landing over the weekend for an hour and a half. And then I watched an amazing movie, which I highly recommend, called First Man. Now, before you call and say, Mike, I didn't watch First Man because it was PC and they didn't show them planting the American flag. I know all about that. But I can't inject politics into everything I do. The movie was actually on par and in a class with Kubrick's 2001. Uh, the scenes shot that show Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts in the very perilous rockets that they flew in, was astonishing. I'm sitting in my little house, watching that on the screen and listening to the sound was in a league of its own. The filmmaker is a genius. And the, the terror of them almost blacking out as the, in the practice run to the moon. Did you see that scene, anyone? The practice run to the moon, where they lose control of their, uh, of their space uh, machine, put it that way, their own rocket, and they get into an orbit, a continuous circular orbit. Any other man would have died of fear or or, or passed out. But then I, I researched Neil Armstrong after watching the movie. I said, this is a remarkable man. Any other man would have cracked. Okay, so we've got pilots today, test pilots, fighter pilots, bomber pilots, who also have nerves of steel. You may not know it, but that man-flying... Your uh, 737 may be one of them. You may not know it, but the man flying up front in the airplane that you're on yesterday or today or tomorrow may be one of those men with nerves of steel. They still exist. They're all around us, but we don't know it because we never hear from them. We never hear from them, do we? So you watch that movie and you see the terror that they were in as the thing goes into a, a continuous orbit. And ground control in Houston is saying, if we don't stop that, that orbit inside that capsule, they're going to pass out in 30 seconds. And then, of course, I think Houston turned off the spin in their own machine uh, to stop it. But the dynamics between the character, who plays Neil Armstrong in that movie First Man, and his wife are awesome to watch that. The toll that Neil Armstrong's career as an astronaut took on his wife and children is something that needed to be seen, and I was inspired by that, by that as well. And I'm talking about inspiration today, am I not? Am I not talking about inspiration? Many of you ask me, how does a man like you do this every day? What motivates you to get up every day and do this? How the hell do you do it? I've had men I know come up and say, why do you still do it? You don't have to do it. How do you do it? Where do you get your inspiration from? That's a topic for another day. Right now, the topic is what I am talking about. And if you care to talk about this topic right now, I invite you to call 855-400-7282, 855 savage And if you've noticed, by the way, with the two-hour live show, we're getting jammed with calls right away, and I love it again. I love the callers, because without callers, there's no talk radio. And I've been told for years that Savage, you're the best one in the history of the business with regard to callers. Nobody has an ear for the callers the way you do. No one listens to the callers the way you do. Nobody responds to the callers uh, the way you do. So callers, that's the line. I'll be back to talk about this or any other topic related right here on the Savage Nation. Savage. All right, we've got ignition on the Savage Nation, and we are talking about the ignition of America by the uh, moon landing, the lunar landing, by JFK's vision. Boy, did he have a vision as a president, didn't he? And he never, he never lived to see the, the, uh, moon, the lunar landing. And as I say, I was a very young man. I was deeply affected by Kennedy's speeches and by the race to the moon and by the landing on the moon. And now I look at where we are today. Presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg says, white supremacy could be an issue that ends this country. It's unbelievable how far we have fallen that people of such gutter trash level are even considered for the presidency. Garbage, just human trash. I have no other words for it. You don't understand me. Don't get me angry on people because I get very mad when I get angry. And I don't want to be angry today. When you compare the filth that wants to be president on the Democrat side and what they would do to this country to what went on during that era when we had a Democrat who loved America, and don't compare the two, because today they call him a white supremacist, the vermin. The vermin running for office today would call JFK a white supremacist. That's all they would see, these morons. So I'm talking about Apollo 11 and how I was inspired by it. I was inspired by it greatly. Then the movie First Man, you have to see it. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, some of the greatest men in history. And interestingly enough, they were all first fighter pilots, then astronauts, of really the right stuff. You talk about the right stuff. So Buzz Aldrin is invited to the White House last week by the President, Trump. And it's a beautiful thing to see this 89-year-old American and world hero in the White House. It was beautiful to see. And the vermin on Twitter started attacking him because he was with Trump. And I'm trying to tell you what's wrong with social media. It permits people of no human value whatsoever Wastes of human DNA now think that they're equal to great people because they can tweet something. They think that that makes them equal to the person that they're attacking. Let me tell you something. It does not make you equal. It makes you nothing. You're still a nobody. Whether it's me you're attacking or Buzz Aldrin or President Trump or whoever you want, you're still nobody. You're still nothing, even though you tweet. Although you tweet, you're still nobody. There was a great philosopher who wrote, I think, therefore I am. And you think that you write this, I tweet, therefore I am. You tweet, therefore you're not. You tweet, therefore you're still nothing. You're still a nobody that nobody knows. And that's the problem with social media. So we're going to focus on the big men, the men who've done something on the earth that's worth admiring, that inspires humanity. And, uh, of course, that would be Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and the other astronauts. It would be John F. Kennedy, who had the vision of, uh, to create NASA and uh, to push that program. It would be Richard Nixon and his great speech when they landed on the moon. What a president he was. He was so under underrepresented as a great president. He really was. 855 is the uh, phone number. I asked you, were you inspired at the time uh, by that? Florida, Stephen, line 6. Fire away. Go ahead, please.
4: Hi, Michael. Um, we moved to Huntsville, Alabama in 1960. And my dad was hired to be a NASA engineer. He had a two-digit badge number. And we moved to Florida hmm. in 1965 to finish hmm. the mission. And I got to watch uh, Apollo 11
3: from the banks of the river. Oh, my God. That must have been awesome.
4: And if you saw that film by CNN, you see that the, that machine just taking off. And you see the violent action of the engine.
3: Yes, the fire. Literally, it was a rocket on fire. That could have exploded at any moment. These men were sitting in there without losing their nerve. And
4: that that was just, to me, I was thinking about that. You know, those guys were brave.
3: Oh, well, remember, I looked up their background. Well, as I said, these are not ordinary men. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were not ordinary men. First of all, Neil Armstrong, Armstrong, to begin with, was a fighter pilot in the Korean War. Then he was a test pilot. Number two, flying these, I think, X-15, the Bell X-15, I believe. I don't know the Bell number. Uh, So they were already in a league of their own, and they had nerves of steel. Nothing could shake them. Nothing could rattle their nerve. I never saw anything like this. And that's what I'm talking about, the inspiration of watching it, uh, Steve. It makes me understand that no matter what the hell I'm facing in my life, no matter what the challenges are at the moment, they're nothing, absolutely nothing compared with these men, and they give me the courage To have the the courage to keep going on and to keep fighting is what I'm saying. And I want to thank you for calling the show. You know, you got to understand something. Everything takes constant work, even a career. No matter what the career may be, to stay focused every day, to produce a show like this every day, to deal with all of the background every day is something that is a miracle unto itself to be able to do it. On and on and on. But were you affected by the moon launch? What do you think about the astronauts today? What do you think about the lack of inspiration today? Savage.
1: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard.
3: Wow. Oh, my God. I can still hear the words. As they were said, I was a young man, didn't know what I wanted to do. And when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, I was like steel went in my spine. I wanted to set out and prove I could do something for my country. That's what it did. That's what inspiration is. And today, whether it's a corporation or a politician, do you have inspiration today? Tell me who inspires you today other than me. I'm an inspired talk show host. I'll be very frank with you. I know who I am. I know my role in the world, and I know my role in the media. I know why God put me here and keeps me here every day. It's to inspire people to go on because I know people who are far better than I am in many ways who tell me I inspire them. I know men with silver stars and bronze stars. I know men who fly in combat or flew in combat. I know men who go on secret missions and tell me I inspired them. And I say, but you're my hero. They say, no, Mike, you have no idea what what you are to us. So I do know why I'm here and what my role is. But, you know, I want to go back again to that era. Sputnik beat us to the moon. I was in college. Nobody could believe that the Russians beat us to the moon. And Sputnik shocked America and woke us up. We were just shocked that this so-called backward Soviet Union could beat us into space. And then there was a rush to create scientists and engineers. Now, I was in college at the time, and I tried, but I am not good in higher mathematics. And I'm telling you this for a reason. It's a very important reason. I couldn't do it. I tried to conceptualize with numbers how to conceptualize an object could fly into space, how much fuel it would need where it would uncouple from another object, and the other next object would take it to another lunar body. And then when you're... Think about this. The guys are on the moon now, walking around, and then they have to get back into their little thing and fly to the mother rocket and meet it somewhere in space at exactly the right moment and dock on it. And then they have to ignite that rocket that's been waiting for them, and that rocket has to... Take them back to Earth in just the exact right way. Do you have any idea how complex this is? Do you have any idea what that was at that time? Well, I want you to think about it. So I was one of the millions of young people who was inspired by the moon landing, and I tried to see if I could do the aeronautical engineering thing. I couldn't. That's not who I am. I found out years later that I have talent in other areas. And in my area, I'm really good at it. I'm an astronaut in my areas. But I wasn't good at mathematics. And what I'm trying to say to you is we don't have to be good at everything. We do not have to be great at everything. We don't even have to be competent at everything. Do you understand that? That there are people who are great in certain things and not great in others? There are people who are good in certain things and not good in others? No man is good at everything. I have met men who are a thousand times braver than I am who can't string words together. I've met men in my life, whether they're in the military or not in the military, or a thousand times braver than I am, who cannot speak in front of an audience without losing their, their, their voice. Do you know that? So I have my talents, and I'm, I'm glad God gave me this ability. This is inherently in me. It was in me since I was a kid in, in, in grade school, as I've told you in a savage life. First time I got up in front of an auditorium in the first grade, I saw a sea of faces and loved being there. I wasn't frightened at all. And the reason I was picked to be the announcer in a public school in the Bronx was because I had a blue suit. I was the only kid in that school of poor people who had a suit. My mother bought me a tiny little cheap suit. God knows why with a shirt and tie. And she saw me wear it one day. I don't even know why my mother had me wear it. And she said, Michael, you have a suit. You're going to be the announcer. I said, great. So I got up in front of the audience. I don't know what the heck I was talking about, but I loved all the kids looking at me. I loved them smiling and laughing. I learned I had the ability to make an audience move. I learned that I had a talent that I didn't know I had. I didn't think of it as a talent. I didn't say, oh, I have a talent to move audiences. I, As a kid, understood, okay, this is fun to be up in front of this audience. So here I am, all these decades later, still in front of an audience. It's not live. But it's as real as my dog is sleeping under the desk. 16-year-old Teddy is hanging in there, just had his breakfast. He's sleeping, snoring away underneath my broadcast desk. I hope this is not his last summer. We don't know. But we go on. We take one day at a time, as they say. So here we are. We're living in a world of no inspiration. Do any corporations inspire us anymore? No. What corporation inspires us anymore? Which Can you name a CEO who inspires you? They all look like they're just greedy, looking to cash in as fast as they can. Can you name a politician who inspires you and what he, he, he or she has said that you carry with you as a saying? Can you name one saying that anyone has said to you in our time that you carry with you as an inspired thought to keep you moving? Because man is a mental creature. Never forget that. But we live in a fallen age. And the vermin in the media glorify not the people of the mind, but the people of the body. So, therefore, all we see are abs and breasts and buttocks. Every day you open up another Murdoch newspaper or whoever it is, and you don't see people of the mind. You don't see ideas and thoughts other than the hatred of the left. They're the only thoughts, apparently, that matter. All you see are abs and butts and breasts. That's all you see. But have you seen the scrawny kid who has a great idea? Have you seen the homely girl who has a great idea? put out by the tabloid media no and so this has a lot to do with why we are no longer inspired as a people and so I go on in my own way I mean I got, I've got to be inspired every day so I reach into books I still read deeply old books new books I read magazines on history military history in particular because they're written by historians I have paintings that I collect on in the 19th century because the paintings were done by artists, not by machine. They were drawn by humans by hand, not by computers. And I see the. I'm looking at a painting right now in my studio of Mount Lassen erupting, done by a woman in 1917. I bought it at auction uh, about a year ago. A painting that looks as real as the mountain exploding right here. I'm looking right at it, and I see the woman's hand as it's moving with the brush in my eye. This painting inspires me. I have clocks that still tick a 100 years later. They inspire me. I have statues from a 100 years ago that still inspire me. I have carpets that were woven by hand that inspire me. Do you understand that we need inspiration that man is a mental creature, not, not solely a physical creature? Of course we need to take care of our bodies. I've written about health and nutrition for 40 years now. I know about that. But a fit mind doesn't. It's true that a fit mind needs a fit body in which to work. I got that from a muscle magazine when I was 11 years old. A fit mind needs a fit body in which to work. So I made up my mind I was going to make my body as fit as I could. And I bought barbells and I put them in the basement of the house and I worked out in the ice cold in Queens on Utopia Park where my father even built I don't know what he did. He built some racks in there so I could put the barbells up there. And I worked and worked and worked to make myself no longer the the, the skinny weakling that would be pushed around. And I made myself very strong and very wiry. And I wasn't afraid of people anymore because I made my body strong. And so what I'm saying is, yes, a fit mind needs a fit body in which to work. But the world we are living in today is all about the fit body. What about the fit mind? When have you last seen a tabloid talking about a fit mind? Never. Never. It's always about a fit body. Eat this, don't eat that. Take that vitamin, don't take that one. This will raise, this will lower, that'll this, that'll that. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. One day they say this, the next day they say that. Well, as a man who studied this field for 40 years, I can tell you I do know what works for all men, but I don't want to go into health and nutrition right now. I want to stick to what I'm talking about, which is the mind. And I'll take your calls in a minute. You can hear, you can hear the state I'm in. I'm in a state of exalt- exaltation. And I'm in a state of exaltation because we need exaltation in the media. We don't need depression and talking about Mueller and Trump and Mueller and Trump and, and Comey and Mueller. I can't take it anymore. Is that inspiring to you to talk about Mueller and Trump and Comey? Are you inspired because Mueller is going to talk on Wednesday? And you'll say this and they'll say that. The liberals will say he said this and he implied that. And then the conservatives will say he didn't say that and Trump is the greatest. I'm not interested in any of it, to be frank with you. I'm not interested in any of it. It's all garbage. It's rubbish. It's the shadows on the wall. It's a charade. It's a, it's a kabuki play. It's to distract you from the reality of the facts that we're not getting anything that we were promised from anybody. That's all. Did, I, did you get that clear enough? It's just a gigantic distraction from the reality that we're being screwed again, one way or the other. You know, I told you years ago, and I'll say it again, when the Democrats and Republicans agree on something, you can count on one thing for sure is that we, the American people, are getting screwed. They both agree there should be no wall. We're getting screwed. They both agree there should be runaway uh, printing of money. There's no budgetary constraints. We're getting screwed. So if you think it's all them against each other, you're mistaken. It's a gigantic, phony charade. It's the shadows on the wall. I told you about it for weeks now. Now let's take some great calls. Inspiration. And today, Charlie in Atlanta, line three, you're up. Go ahead, please.
4: Hey, Dr. Savage. Uh, I had my family on Saturday night to take uh, the documentary on Apollo 11. Mm. I've got two daughters, 12 and 15, and I'm trying to show them how how things were at one point in this country, and it was so inspiring, um, and yet at the same time,
3: it was heartbreaking to see where we were and where we are now absolutely when you saw all those men with white shirts and ties the hundreds and thousands the thousands of engineers who made that happen then you saw the men inside the rocket you saying my god what an america it was wasn't it
4: well and and it, and it was it was that and it was just you could what, I, what i've tried to tell my children is this country used to be in it together and you talked about john kennedy he loved this country and he was a Democrat, but he loved this country. Yeah, we don't even have
3: to say he was a Democrat, and he, he was a patriot before he was a Democrat. He was, we never forget, he fought in World War II. Everyone should never forget that JFK was a pilot in World War II who was shot down in combat. He was the real McCoy. So I don't want to hear from the moron. What's the matter? Are you shaking your head? I got to take him. I'm sorry, he was on a PT boat. Right, sorry. Thank you for shaking your head. I'm just getting so enthused. Yes, oh, so he was a war hero for sure. Uh, and he didn't have to apologize for not having served in the military. Okay, he was in the military. He was shot out of his boat. I know all of that, and I survived on the island. He was the real McCoy. He wasn't a faker, and he was an inspired man. But today, as I said, if he ran today as a Democrat, they would laugh him off the stage and call him a white supremacist. That shows you how far your Democrat Party has fallen. It is not even an American party. I will say that again and make a note of it. Michael Savage says... Historically and conceptually, the Democrat Party of today is not even a party from America. I'll be right back. Savage. Well, you're on air with the Dr. Savage graduate seminar in uh, talk radio. And it's a very elite group of talk radio listeners. No, it's not the largest audience by any means, but it's probably the most educated audience in American media right now. And it's growing, by the way. While I cannot make certain announcements at this time of what's coming this year, it looks to me like something's coming that nobody will ever believe. That is in another world of its own. There's a world that's going to open up. In my life, I think that's a new world. It's like a new world for me and for everyone listening, but I don't want to go into it because it's not happened yet. It looks like it will. It looks like God has answered my prayers. I've wandered in the desert for many years waiting for what's about to happen, and we'll see if Moses gets to the promised land or not. I I know Moses never made it to the promised land, did he, Robert? Well, I hope that I don't repeat the Moses, but there is a promised land out there. Now, look, we're going to run short of time. We're going to go into hour two, which is live, and I'm going to take your calls at the top of the hour. We have a great guest at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to do this exact same show tomorrow on the moon landing and the inspiration of the moon landing. If you want to hear about Mueller, you know where to get that. If you want to hear about Comey, you know where to get that. Leave me out of it, please. It's about the most uninspiring trash you could ever think of. What does it matter? What does it matter? It's all a distraction to keep us from the realities of what we're living through. So let's take the callers, because some of you are, are beyond belief. I can't believe this. Ada, in California, line three, you'll have to make it 30 seconds or less. Go ahead, please. It's
5: to talk to you, and I, I agree with almost everything you're saying. <laughs> I, I just wanted—I felt compelled to have to tell you this, because it's not—it it, it wasn't publicized that much or anything, but my husband, who— Okay, first of all, I'll say he he actually made by hand the, commu- the heat shield for the communication pack. That he made the heat shield for the communication. Commu-
3: no, so that was unknown at the time. There was no such. There was no predecessor to what your husband designed.
5: Exactly, and they came to him, and he understood the value of the technology. He was a metals expert, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, made made by himself. He didn't. He didn't go to
3: school. Made by himself. Self-taught? Are you telling me he didn't even have a higher degree? He didn't, and... and Hold it, this is so unreal. I'll be right. You can't believe what we're touching on here.
0: The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning. The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is. New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage.
1: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard.
2: Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you... For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world.
3: I would guess that a large percentage of older Americans who are listening to this show today were as motivated and as inspired by that period in American history and by those particular men as I am. Welcome to the program, part two. Now think of how far we have fallen from that age. We've reached a point where a presidential candidate, a complete and total nobody, a zero, known in my day as a non-entity, Pete Buttigieg, His campaign slogan now is white supremacy could be the issue that ends this country. The Democrat Party is no longer a party of America at all. It's not a party from America nor of America. It's a party of a foreign entity, an entity I don't even understand, nor does it exist in this country. But what does it exist for, rather? To espouse and to promote inspiration? Is that inspiring to talk about white people like this? Does that include Neil Armstrong? Does that include Buzz Aldrin? Does that include Albert Einstein? Does that include all of the great white men who have built Western civilization? Uh, Of course, it does not. And so now we go back to ourselves. Where do we derive our own inspiration from is the issue. Were you moved by the replay of the lunar landing this weekend as I was on CNN? I watched for 90 minutes in a darkened room. I could not leave. Every second was inspiring to me. I try to imagine myself inside that. Rocket on takeoff. Could you think you could have survived that? All you Twitterers, your tweeters, you think you could have survived one second in there without screaming for mommy and defecating in your trousers, screaming to be let out, saying you're you're suffocating, you need hydration, and you need a break? Well, here we are today. We're down to the squad, Sanders, Buttigieg, and the others, uninspired, in fact, counter-inspiring. Now, there are other stories I wanted to talk about. Budget deal likely to include few no cuts. Okay, great. Great to hear it. Trump has not built a single mile of new border fence after 30 months in office. That came out from the extreme left-wing Washington Examiner today. I guess they're now fake news. 2020 Dems are turning Obama's legacy against Biden because Biden is too normal and too rational. They have to destroy Biden now. These are pedestrian stories to me. I'm not inspired by any of them. They leave me wanting to go back to bed. I mean, you know, you read this stuff, and uh, it makes you want to go back to sleep, or, or let's say, narcotize yourself in some way or other. There are uninspired stories in the in the news media today. So I'd rather go back to you, the audience of the Savage Nation today. Were you as inspired as I was by these days? I have not yet played the moon landing audio of uh, Neil Armstrong's reply to Richard Nixon. I want you to le- listen. Now, here is. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon as they received this call on the surface of the moon from then President Richard Nixon. Please listen.
6: It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here, representing not only the United States but and of peace of all nations and with interest and a curiosity and
2: and with a vision for the future. Uh, honor for
3: us to be able to participate here today well there it was not only for the united states but for all mankind i hope you heard that element of uh, the statement by neil armstrong for all of mankind now let's take some calls on the savage nation california lee line five go ahead please what's on your mind
7: Hi, Doctor Savage. Uh, I was thrilled and inspired to watch all of that again uh, last week and over the weekend. But I wanted to tell you that I had a, a little bit of an interesting perspective on the whole thing. As mm. during this uh, that time, my father worked for the U.S. Geological Survey, and he was tapped by NASA to train the astronauts on how to collect moon samples because none of them were geologists. And then, mm. as a side benefit from that. I also got to watch as he was in the first group of men, scientists, who were there in the lunar lab in Houston after Apollo 11 came back and, and opened the first box of moon rocks.
3: How old were you at the time?
7: Uh, I was uh, 10 years old when he did the astronaut training, and then obviously I was 14 when he was in the, well, actually examining the lunar material.
3: I don't think there were too many children in that room, were there?
7: I wasn't there, there I was able to, you know, uh, I just, I knew he was there and we were in touch with him. Now, there was a
3: great fear, wasn't there, that the moon rocks could contain some kind of pathogen and they were not allowed to be touched for a while, isn't that so?
7: That's correct. And as a side note to that, he was there for Apollo 12 and they had a spill in the lunar lab and he was actually put into quarantine with the Apollo 12 astronauts.
3: But there never have been any pathogens from any uh, samples from space, have there?
7: Uh, no, not that anyone
3: knows. No, this is a very, very interesting side note that I, I'm, I'm intrigued by because I'm more of a biologist than a physical scientist. And there was great fear in the sixties that oh, the space had this uh, bugs and viruses that would come and kill mankind. Remember the talk at
7: the time? Absolutely, I remember all of it.
3: And it turned out there is no uh, no such thing. I mean, I don't even know how much living, li, 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 how much living, uh, uh, or how many living organisms there are on the moon. Are there any?
7: I don't believe there are.
3: Huh. Well, don't tell that to the conspiracists who say we didn't even go to the moon. You oh, know.
7: No, because then we'll contaminate a sterile environment.
3: <laughs> I see. We'll contaminate it by going there.
7: Yes. So what what did you Okay, you grew up in this
3: amazing world of your dad as a as a geologist. What did you become?
7: Um I ended up going into communications and then um uh, I kind of got off on a sidetrack some years ago, and I, I can honestly say I've not been anywhere near as accomplished as my father was. Okay,
3: but you see that you shouldn't say that. I was trying to say at the beginning of the show we all have our own talents, and that's like not like saying you rode the little school bus. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But we all we all have our special skills. So you're doing something that you, as a unique individual, were born and are adapted to do. Right. Yes. I mean, did your father train to be a geologist?
7: Uh, that was his interest. He was actually interested in all of the natural sciences uh, growing up, and uh, it's it's a long he's it's a long story for uh, on his part, but uh, he ended up focusing on geology, made it a career, became a world famous geologist, and um, he passed away three years ago at ninety six. Do
3: mm-hmm. you care to give us his name?
7: Uh, Dr. Robert L. Smith?
3: Okay. One of the unsung heroes of science. Never heard of him, of course. Just as today, we never see a scientist or hear from them. We see rap stars. We see people with uh, uh, electronic faces. We see surgical behinds marching around. But we don't see scientists, do we?
7: No, we don't. And I wish we did.
3: I wish we did. And I thank you for joining the Savage Audience, a very small audience of uh, very special people, by the way. All we know about racism and race. Georgia Democrat lawmaker appears to be caught lying about alleged racist encounter. Take a look at her. Go ahead, give her a look on michaelsavage.com. Or if you want to have a little fun, look at the white, the out of control jihad squad, Rashida Talab, behaving like a mad woman from an, a 2016 uh, uh, appearance at a Trump rally. This is in Congress now. Could you imagine what's going on from JFK to this? Could you imagine he was a congressman first? He was first a congressman, then a president. That's the training ground for the future presidency is Congress. And look what we have now. Could you believe this, the world we're living in? Okay, let's take another uh, uh, caller out there uh, on the on the moon landing, which to me is still as real as it was then. I'm inspired by that show I watched. Did anyone see the movie First Man? Did anyone watch it over the weekend? I did. It was on HBO, I think. And as I say, the uh, the recreation of the scenes inside the rockets was so remarkable that you could actually feel yourself and the fear inside, inside those, uh, those objects. How the heck were these guys made so tough? Well, I looked up uh, how, and it turns out the man was first a fighter pilot, then a test pilot, that's how. He had the right stuff long before he was selected to be an astronaut. And as I want to tell you again, you don't have to go to space to be an astronaut. You can go to space in your own lifetime. You could be, Rather, you could be an astronaut in your own life, by daring to take chances on your own, you are an astronaut. As I said to you, my grandfather, who I never met, Sam, came from Russia without a, much money in his pocket. He died a poor man, but he had his own little store, a tailor, fine, made fine suits. And uh, he was the astronaut of our family. Came here with very little and worked his heart out to raise the money to bring in the next the children, wife and children, over the next eight years, which included uh, my father, who was an immigrant to the country. And so he, Sam, was the astronaut of my family. I'm sure everyone listening to the show has an astronaut of their own family, whether it is someone who came to this country first or someone who broke new ground in a business or in a career of some kind. That, that That's the astronaut. Do you understand what I'm saying? The first person in your family to do something great is the astronaut of your family. And you should tell your children that, that they don't have to fly to the moon to be an astronaut. They don't have to fly to the moon to be great. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. You can be great as a policeman. You can be great as a teacher. You can be great as a social worker, as a doctor, as an engineer, as a scientist, as an architect. You can be an astronaut in any many different ways. And how? Well, I think I'm going to go into this for a minute. I remember when I was raising my first child, I used to take him for long walks in uh, remote areas, and I would teach him sayings. And one of them was... I'd say, son, the Indians teach us always look to the mountaintop as you're walking in a valley. He got it. He understood that. And in our lives, there are many valleys. There are many caverns. And no matter how dark it gets, we must always look to the mountaintop. Back in a minute. Savage.
1: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It's one small step for man. One
3: generation. Kennedy inspired an entire generation. Nothing to do with uh, Democrat or Republican. He ins- and you know, many of you say, well, should I agree with Savage on that? After all, he was a Democrat. Could you please for a moment... Put down for one second that, that, that filter, that absurd filter. Just think of the words and what it meant for this country. Where do we have our inspiration today? Where? Tell me where. Tell me what we have our inspiration from. You look at the men who are giants of industry today. You look at some of them like uh, uh, the one who runs Amazon and owns the whole world and is turning shopping centers into ghost towns. He's an inspired man, but what is he giving humanity? His profit keeps growing, but has he inspired you to do something? Well, I forget his name. I know he's a great man in all. Bezos. He's a great man in his own way in, in terms of uh, vision and ability to manage such a business. But what is he giving the world? Or, or Mark Zuckerberg, brilliant man, built this gigantic thing called Facebook. What is he giving the world? Is he inspiring the world? Or Bill Gates, is he inspiring the world? Who's inspiring the world today? Who? Mark in California, Line 5. Go ahead, please. What's your comment?
2: Hi, Michael. Thanks for covering this great topic on this anniversary. I was a 14-year-old boy living where you used to live, uh, in Kaneohe, Hawaii, which is right outside of Honolulu. And we were fortunate because back then, hardly anything was broadcast live uh, into Hawaii. Everything was on a delayed basis. But Mm. anyway, the uh, landing and all of that was so inspirational, it inspired me to go into engineering. And as the years have gone on, it's amazing how we have instruments in our hand now, which are a million times more powerful than the computers that landed on the moon. But the people that are holding these instruments... Choose not to learn the profound things, but sink into this idiocy of emojis and Facebook for the most part. A
3: thousand percent right. Every time I pick up my iPhone, I realize it could take me to places I have never been. And what you see on Twitter or on Facebook is enough to make you cry for humanity.
2: It's sad because rather than reach for the heights, as we did before, with nothing. When when this was proposed, this moon landing was proposed back in 61, we had basically zero experience. So we really weren't building on anything. We started it. We got a massive program going. And uh, the other problem today is there's no continuity of thought. So one administration will begin something. The next one, either out of spite or whatever, will cancel it, and it goes on and on like this. The moon landing took many administ- several administrations and continuous funding. But okay. yeah,
3: absolutely, the best and the brightest are generally not brought in. Don't generally do not go into politics. I'm sad to tell everybody that, but the best and the brightest are generally never seen or heard.
2: Well, it, it's surprising because as these astronauts over the years have died, the the 12 moon landing astronauts, I think there's only four or five of them left. They hardly get a mention in the news, but when some rapper, some rap
3: artist... Uh, please don't bring up this thing in Sweden. I'm, I'm nauseated by Trump intervening on that one. And I got roundly criticized for saying, w- what is his business? A rapper arrested in Sweden in Sweden for a street fight. What is he doing to the presidency? Why, why is that now an issue for the president? Uh, it's, it's strange, but uh, since we well, have... Well, it's the- pretty clear to me why. I mean, it's pretty clear once he had uh, that poor excuse for humanity in the White House with her rapper husband, and the rapper threw his feet up on the desk, I knew that the handwriting was on the wall of what was going to happen. I knew who steered them in there, and I said, "Oh, oh, they're trying to get the rapper vote? How many people who listen to rap music are ever going to vote for Donald Trump? Like, zero? What a waste of the presidency to intervene on behalf of a rapper who got into a street fight, is it not? That's not inspiring to me. It's the opposite of inspiring. It's nauseating. It sucks the life out of me. I'll be back in a minute. I'm sorry if you're unhappy, all you Magites. Back in a minute.
0: Savage.
5: white supremacy and he is allowing frankly neo-nazi groups to go off unchecked because that is a key part of rousing his base but we cannot allow and give in to that
3: so there we are from the alpha of humanity to the omega of humanity in one generation here we have a hateful low iq girl with a big mouth who is now sitting in congress and uh espousing nothing but hatred for white people as her stock and trade, and no one calls her out on it except a few people. How we've gone from Neil Armstrong to uh, girls who sing hate songs is a matter of how this happened and where we go from here. I'm talking about inspiration today. Let's go to the callers because some of you are very inspired in your commentary and worthy of airtime. For example, Rob in Seattle has an interesting point to make. Rob, what is that point?
4: Yeah, Dr. Savage, I, I think what's very sad for me, the Trump, Trump supporter, is that he he really is wasting the potential he has. John Kennedy was uh, a great man and a flawed man, just as Trump is. Uh, you know, Trump dodged his own bay of pigs, um, and uh, Kennedy certainly had more affairs or as many as, as Trump. So um, he has the potential for greatness, and the sadness is... You know, he has enough time to salvage and turn it around and and make a mark in history, not only with a a renewed space program, rescuing it from Obama, who destroyed NASA, Mm -hmm. but inspiring us all, and and not tweeting and not having these marginal people in the White House, as you mentioned. And I just wish that uh, Mm. he every great man, well, many are blind to their flaws, but the ones who are truly great recognize some of their flaws that they live with every day, but they work with them. And I just feel that Trump, the story, it's not the Trump show, it's our show, and we supported him, and he's mm-hmm. our only chance.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, I just i just hope somehow that he... Boy, could-
3: did you, you know, this call has to be archived, because, Rob, what you just said makes so much sense to me. Is that, and your bottom line is that Trump could be a great president if he could overcome his flaws. Yes. I mean, that summarizes it all, and gets some of the, cre- the, the low-life creeps out of the White House who uh, advise him never have the low life creeps in the Oval Office again because it diminishes both the presidency and the and, and the and him to have them in there. And they're they're distracting him from the big picture like let's go to Mars together. After all, that's what we're talking about is inspiration today, isn't it, Rob? He
4: could he could make all these Democratic
3: candidates look like small little people, but he doesn't have much time. Yeah, but when he engages with them, he elevates Right. Hateful, low IQ girls with big mouths to his level. I agree. Th- that's the point I made last week. They had been marginalized by Nancy Pelosi, put in a box. She was ostracizing them. She was going to marginalize them, probably make sure they had no committee assignments and no funding. And by attacking them, Trump turned them into equal equal to him by giving them huge voices Now, I know that the other side of the equation is that he's so brilliant, he was playing four-dimensional chess, which is my phrase anyway. And what he did was he triangulated them and made them the face of the Democrat Party, which is true to a certain extent, but that was not his intent. There's no question it was a mistake.
4: Makes me want to cry.
3: Well, you don't have to cry. Just read the book I'm going to send you, A Savage Life, and I think you'll both laugh and cry. Stay in the line, Jim. Get the gentleman's uh, name and address. 855-400-7282, if you care to talk about the inspiration of the times and how it affected your life. Were you inspired by the moon landing? You're an older person. Are there any young people who are still inspired by the courage and brains that it took? I mean, we had a caller earlier who's an elderly woman who said her husband designed the heat shield for some of the um, communications equipment. Not a small feat. He was a metallurgist. And self taught with uh, no college education. Look what he did. And we had another man who said his father was a geologist who uh, taught the astronauts how to gather the rocks on the moon. These are amazing stories. But we can still be inspired today by greats of the past, whether it's the moon walk or, or the moon landing on the moon walk or other events in history. Are, are you inspired on a broader picture by other events in history that motivate you to keep going every day? What keeps you going? Right. What is it? Is it a poem? Is it a song? Is it What is it that motivates you? Many of you will say it's God. I understand that. That is that is the eternal inspiration. If you want me to get into the religion of it and the, the, the inspiration of Jesus and the imagery of Jesus being crucified for the sins of mankind, I understand that inspiration. That's an eternal inspiration that people use because we are spiritual creatures. People are inspired by great religious figures uh, because... As I said, man is primarily a spiritual creature, and we're living in fallen times where, uh, not solely but <clears throat> primarily because of the media, we have become nothing but sort of animals, where all we see are abs, breasts, and buttocks. Abs, breasts, and buttocks. That's the entire fare uh, offered by the uh, Murdoch uh, restaurant. On the menu today is a special on abs. We also have a very nice selection of butts today, uh, Or if you care for breasts, we can offer you that at a very good price today. That's the cart. That's the the menu that is offered by the media today. Abs, butts, uh, and, uh, and breasts. And then you turn on the Democrats. What they're selling is hatred and racism. That's the two primary items on their menu, hatred and racism. That's what makes that little girl, the bartender, get up every day, thinking how she can agitate and hate people. Can you imagine living like that, that your every moment is given to how can I make people hate me more? How can I agitate white people more today? How can I make them angrier at me today? That's what she does every day, followed by her friends, the Muslims, Talab and the other one, Omar the hater, and then the other one is along for the ride. It's astounding to me that these people are in Congress, just as John F. Kennedy had been in Congress uh as a launch pad for his presidency. Take a look at where we are today, and that is why I am talking about inspiration, you know, and how I was inspired over the weekend by watching. An hour and a half. I never watch CNN. I go, I watch it in passing. I don't watch it for obvious reasons. So I watched an hour and a half of the moon tape from the beginning to them landing. I was just sitting there in a dark room, and my body was reacting to it. My mind was reacting to it. My soul was reacting to it. I could not believe that I had lived through such a time of inspiration in, in this world. <clears throat> and then right after that was over, they break to one of the news morons on their network who goes and interviews a single woman engineer who was in the room of thousands of engineers in Houston, and they make it sound like she was the reason that the astronauts landed on the moon. It wasn't a focus on the astronauts. It wasn't a focus on the human spirit. It wasn't a focus on the courage and the guts that it took and the brains to get there. It was a focus, again, on their narrow-minded agenda, and that shows us where we are today. So how do we get away from the pedestrian? How do we get back to what I'm trying to talk about, the inspiration? What do you do for inspiration? Here's a man calling from uh, Sharon in Florida has a great story to tell. Sharon, thanks for calling. Tell us your father's story.
5: Uh, Thank you, Michael. It's such an honor to get to speak with you. Yes, in 1963, my dad heard President Kennedy give his uh, quest for being the man on the moon. And he said, told our family, I want to be a part of that. And it so inspired him. We moved the whole family from a successful career in one city across the state of Florida to work with NASA. And he got to be head of flight control, getting the Apollo 11 to the moon and back.
3: He was a head of flight control, your dad? Yes. Mm. Well, so you have, you have a remarkable number of stories to tell. Oh, I did, was- did you ever meet any of the astronauts at that time?
5: Well, I never met them, but at the time I was in high school and I did get to see them uh, cheering for them in a parade they had downtown Cocoa Beach.
3: Wow, we could talk about your dad for quite a long time. Unfortunately, we don't have that time. He was head of flight control for Apollo 11. Yes. Amazing. Well, you're a very lucky woman, and I'm sure that you cherish all of the mementos of your dad, and they inspire both you and your children to this day. Am I correct?
5: Correct. Yeah, all my kids uh, know about what he did, and um, they're very inspired. They're all very successful citizens.
3: Sharon, you're a, you're a woman who's older, who had a father who was remarkable. When you wake up and you see what's going on in politics today, tell me what you feel.
5: I'm appalled by it. I'm, I'm just 100% for Trump that he gets his um, message out to make America great and keep it great.
3: Wait, say that again, you're 100 percent for Trump, but what?
5: Um, I just want us to stay a great Christian country. But
3: more: no, no, but I'm asking you what you think of, of, of the, the age that we're living in, the political times we're living in. How do you view that?
5: That's um, very difficult because we're under such attack by the liberals.
3: Okay, got it. Appreciate it. Sending you a savage life. It's the best I can do in the world. I'm not an astronaut. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a moonwalker. I'm a talker and a writer. Be back at... Oh, no, I got time for another caller. Let's go to some of the other great callers on the uh, Savage Nation. 855 and seven two eight. Here we have a doubter out there. I knew it would come out of San Francisco. We have to take it. Ronnie in San Fran on line three. What is your point, please?
6: Actually, Michael, uh, it's Ronnie out of Manteca. I wouldn't go anywhere near San Francisco. But anyways, uh, hey, you the man. I've been listening to you for two decades. Now, I watched the moon landing in 1969 in class when they brought the old black and white TV, Catholic school. And I didn't know much then, but having worked for the government for over 25 years, I don't trust them farther than I can throw them. I look at the Roswell stuff. I look at the... uh, the Truman Gang of 12, the, the UFO doubting. And what I told your call screener is if we've really been to the moon, which I kind of go back and forth, how come we haven't been back to build something? Satellites, space station, military complex. You talk about the ultimate satellite. Man, the moon is it. All I see is shadows cast, oddly, and a knockdown American flag. Now, I keep going back and forth, but um, why haven't we built anything up there?
3: I I can't answer the question. I don't think that because we haven't built anything up that means that the men didn't land on the moon. they're not they're not mutually uh the same, they're not connected to each other your statements. Yeah. So I, now I I can tell if we continue talking you would start talking about UFOs, right?
6: No, not really. I mean, when you have so many uh, Have
3: you have you met extraterrestrials in your bedroom recently?
6: Haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but when I I see so all these people describing the same thing from the farmer in New Zealand to Australia to Mexico, and the government can't even acknowledge it for whatever reason. I guess it would be a meltdown of society. Um, no, but I wanted to get back to the original topic. Which,
3: Why do I have to focus on UFOs and aliens when we have them in the Democrat Party? <laughs> You're not kids, <kidding>, man. <laughs> all right, stay on the line. We'll send you a savage life. You know, over the weekend I was joking around, and I said, i got people who believe in UFOs and extraterrestrials. And I was playing with my dogs on a, on a nice, bright afternoon, looking at the water, and I realized that these furry objects are uh, what keep me grounded, and I call them IFOs, identified furry objects. And I saved it for this moment on the Savage Nation. We've gone from UFOs to IFOs on the Savage Nation, identified furry objects. Uh, let me know who steals it first. Back in a minute.
1: Savage.
2: Two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. off on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. My... St- <laughs>
3: okay. No, I, I could listen to this stuff all day long. There's something about that quintessential American voice from that era in particular that brings tears to my eyes when I feel how far we have fallen as a nation. There's something about that voice and those voices of those men at that time of that time that like put us uh, just energy in my being. Anyway, don't get me started on borders language and culture right now. I'm not ready to go there, but it reminds me of every time I start up my old XKE with triple SU carburetors, side draft carburetors that sits in my garage, and I fire it up about once a week. Teddy's usually on the right seat there. And that thing has to be cranked and cranked and cranked. And I'm sitting there. He's looking like waiting to see if we're going to have ignition. And it's like, <coughs> and I'm pulling the choke and I'm cranking that engine, those the 4.2 liter engine. And finally, when she fires up and I touch the choke to take her down a bit, I say, Teddy, we have ignition. It's very much a little play a play thing for me, that old car, which is one of the reasons I like it is because I don't know whether it's going to start or not. I mean, what's the fun in a new car that's perfect that always starts and runs like a perfect computer, like a HAL 9000? I mean, you expect it today. But if there's something about these old uh, cars that have a smell of gasoline <laughs> and oil in your garage that you need to run fans around the clock and keep a window open or you'll choke to death, you know, it's not for everybody. It's like the smell of a leather glove or something to that extent, a baseball glove or something like that. But uh it's my little way of keeping in touch with reality, which is a non, a, it's a digital car. It's actually a non-digital car. There's absolutely not a computerized item in these old cars. So when all of your cars die out, I will still have one tank full of gas. I'm able to drive somewhere with it, maybe up into the mountain to hunt a deer. But those of you, when you'll have your car turned off because they're going to just throw a switch on the satellite, and all your cars will come to a, Can you imagine that one one little satellite could put you down? Your car won't run. They can stop your car while you're driving over a bridge or in a tunnel. Can you imagine that? But not my clunky old 1970 Jaguar. It'll just keep on going right through the the tunnel in a Mad Max scene. Of course, it is too small to plow through a bunch of cars in a tunnel. I will tell you that. But as Enzo Ferrari said, it was the most beautiful car ever made. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this show because I consider it one of my finest hours. Thank you for listening.